You know, one day years ago, I came home from work, came through the door, and as was kind of her custom, Grace, my daughter, she was about three years old at the time, she would run up to me and look up at me with her big old bright eyes and say, I love you, Daddy. And a lot of times she'd reach her hands out like this. Well, this day, I remembered that I had a little piece of candy, a lollipop in my pocket. And so I reached in, I grabbed it, and I gave it to her. Instead of the hug, I gave her the lollipop. And she took that and, you know, of course, she loved it. Um, the next day, I came home, same time, and uh, came through the door. And sure enough, here comes Grace again, runs up, Daddy, I love you, and throws out her hands like this for a hug, but immediately turns her hand over like she was expecting another lollipop. I'm like, hey, I know what's going on here. <laughs> hey, like, I love my kids, and I love to give them good things. If I've got a lollipop, I want them to have it, but I don't just want my kids to want the lollipop. I don't want them to get more excited about the gift. I, I want them to also be excited, in fact, more excited about the giver. I want them to have a great relationship with their dad. Well, you know, Jesus knew what it was like to, to want a great relationship with his kids, with his people, what it was like to want the hearts of the people and not just them desiring what he could do for them. I'm standing here at the top of a place called Mount Precipice. Uh, it's in Nazareth, which is Jesus' hometown. It's it's the place where he spent most of his time growing up. It's about a two-hour drive north of Jerusalem. It's overlooking the Jezreel Valley. And it is the place of a fascinating story in Luke 4. Now, today, uh, Nazareth is home to about 75,000 people. But back then, it was just a small town with 400 people or so. It's, it's one of those towns where, you know, everybody knew everybody and Everybody knew everybody's business, too. And Jesus had grown up here. And once he'd kind of grown up, and he left to start his ministry. And, you know, if, if you've read the New Testament, you know that when Jesus became a rabbi and he started teaching and, and, and people began to follow him, and then he started doing miracles, well, he, the crowds began to grow, the, the news traveled fast, and and, and people began to hear all over about these miraculous things that Jesus of Nazareth had been doing in Galilee and Capernaum, one of the towns that he spent most of his time in. And you think about what these people were thinking when they heard the news. There, Jesus, you know, this little Hebrew boy from a, you know, basically a podunk little town had gone on and made, made himself into something great. You know, he's teaching in synagogues all over the world. But not only was he teaching, I mean, he'd been doing miracles, and they heard about those miracles. And when Jesus, when they hear that Jesus is coming home for a visit, I imagine they start thinking, hey, he, he could be coming home. He could do a little teaching. He could do some of those miracles here too. Well, when he gets home, he goes on into the synagogue on Shabbat, which was his normal practice, is what he'd been doing ever since he was a little kid. And if you know anything about what happens in the synagogue, it happened the same way every time. There'd be seven men, priests, and some other Jewish men who had attended the synagogue, and they would, they would be chosen, certain ones, to read passages from the Torah. And then someone would be chosen to read a final selection from one of the prophets. 
Jesus is home this day. And the buzz is all around town. And, and he's the one in the synagogue. And sure enough, he's the one that gets chosen to read from the prophet. And today's section was the prophet Isaiah 61, verse 18. It said this, look, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. Now, typically at this point, the reader would be done, they'd just sit down. But today, Jesus stayed and he started to teach and explain this passage to them. And he said, it's kind of really bold thing. He said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he's trying to tell this hometown crowd, hey, the prophet Isaiah, guys, he was talking about me. Now, that is a big statement. Verse 22 says this, that the people were amazed at his explanation. They were encouraged by the gracious words that came from his lips. Started going, man, isn't this Joseph's son? And now look what's happened here. But here's where the story takes a turn. Because as the people are getting excited about who Jesus is, that he might be the one that the prophet is talking about, they start getting excited about these miracles. They start getting excited about the healing and the blessing that could be coming, these things that he'd been doing in Capernaum. And they start thinking, hey, well, let's get some of those miracles happening right here, Jesus. But Jesus, he wants more than just to be able to give them miracles. He wants their hearts. He, he wants them to know that he is God with us, Emmanuel. In fact, Jesus goes so, uh, on to tell them Now he knew their thoughts. And so he said, hey, surely you're going to quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, no prophets accepted in his hometown. In other words, I know you guys are wanting me to do these great works, but I also know your heart. And I know that where you're at right now is that you're wanting these gifts more than you're excited about the giver. And it's then that the people freak out. This huge uproar breaks out that people get mad at what's going on. They, they realize Jesus isn't gonna do for them what he'd been doing in Capernaum. And this mob mentality breaks out and they drag Jesus outside the church up this hill to throw him off the cliff. At one point, somehow, we're not quite sure, but in the confusion, Jesus is able to just sort of walk through the crowd and leave. Here's why I tell you that story. Because as I read it, I think to myself, that crowd is it's a little bit like my daughter, Grace, the way she was with that lollipop. Like they don't care so much about a relationship with Jesus. They just want what he can do for them. Watch this. They want his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E -E they don't care so much about his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Get what I'm saying? And if we're honest, well, we can be like that too sometimes. I mean, here we are at Christmas time. But let me ask you, what's on your Christmas list this year? I mean, surely you've probably been asking for things like clothes or gadgets or, you know, different toys or, or whatever. But 
I would imagine when you sit alone with God, your Christmas prayer list, your Christmas wish list probably involves some more serious things as well. Maybe um, asking God for remission from cancer, healing of a, a chronic pain, maybe a new job or a new financial situation, maybe a new uh, situation at the job you're in. Maybe you're lonely and you're looking for a friend or, or, or really want to see a, a romantic relationship form. Or maybe for you, you're praying, God, I just want that military person that I love, I want them to come home safe and sound. Maybe for you, you've got a relationship that's just been on the rocks and you really want to see reconciliation happen in that relationship. You know, I, I, I don't know you. I don't know your Christmas list. But here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that your Christmas lists aren't greedy. You're not walking around asking for the moon. It's just that you have this sense that you're meant for more, that there's more to life than what you're experiencing. And so you're praying, God, these are the things I want. But as you pray those things, and I don't think it's bad. I think God wants you to ask for those things. But let me ask you, let me just ask you to think about this. As you're praying for those things, could it be that all the things we say we want for Christmas, that in a sense they're merely just the wrappings on the real gift? What do you mean? Well, like a, like a, like a baby. If you hand a baby like this, a, a Christmas gift, and, and you're super excited about what's inside and, and you want them to have, but haven't you had it like at family Christmas or maybe with your own kids where they'll pull the bow off and they'll, they'll unwrap the, the paper and the paper's all glittery and, and they get more excited about the bow and the wrapping sometimes than the gift itself. And, and I just, I think a lot of us can do that with Christmas, with Jesus. We, we get caught up in the presence of God and not so much the presence of God in our life. Could it be that God was combining all we ever wanted and all we ever needed into one supernatural gift named Jesus this Christmas? The things on our list are really just the wrappings and Jesus is the really valuable gift on the inside. See, I think there's something about Jesus, something that makes him the perfect gift in any situation. There's just something about him. He's different. He's, he's amazing. He's supernatural. I, I've seen it where to the troubled, Jesus offers peace. To the restless, Jesus offers contentment. To people who have been lonely, Jesus gives companionship. To the weak, he'll bring strength. To the confused, he'll bring direction and clarity. To the discouraged, hope. And to the dying, Jesus brings the hope of eternal life. You know, standing, standing on this cliff here, it's just making me ask myself this Christmas, am I more excited about the presence of God and everything that he can do for me? Or do I need to take some time this Christmas and focus on receiving the presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us in my life.
Hey. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, uh, to our online crowd, to all of our locations, to everybody here in South Barrington. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I want to take a moment and tell you about um, some presents that are going to be going out from our church to every incarcerated person in the state of Illinois. And uh, Brian and Stacy Kidd and all their volunteers, yeah. So many of you have packed these hope packs, and we actually have students and kids and some at different campuses that are packing today, but these are going to go to every incarcerated person in the state of Illinois. And the idea of hope packs was inspired in part by that verse that Jesus shared in Nazareth on that morning. Luke 4, I'll read it to you again. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. At all of our campuses, here's a little bit more about what happens with Hope Packs. Check it out. For more than a decade, Willow has assembled and distributed over 580,000 Christmas gifts to incarcerated individuals, bringing hope to those who are often overlooked or forgotten. The Bible tells us to remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoner. So in 2013, a team of dedicated prison and jail ministry volunteers dared to dream of changing the reality of loneliness for as many incarcerated people as we could. We thought, wouldn't it be great if we could provide Christmas bags of hope to 20,000 people? Then the next year dared to push it to 30,000. And finally, we just said, can we do a bag for every incarcerated person in our state? The first time I remembered doing Hope Packs in church, we'd come to the service and several weeks before Christmas, you'd get there and the Hope Pack stuff was all at the end of the aisle and they'd end the service early and then you would take time as a congregation to stand up and everyone would pack one bag. Today when we pack Hope Packs, they have it all organized and you pack them and then they ship them off to all the different facilities all over the state. Every year when I would see the Hope Packs on the screen, I felt like I wanted to go and minister to people that were in jail, that the people that society forgets. We go weekly. We have three Bible studies. I go a second time where I'm a chaplain for Cook County. They're happy to see us. They're engaged in what we bring. They're willing to share their lives. Holidays are very hard in jail and prison, and Christmas is probably harder than most. A lot of the guys have told us that this is the only gift that they will receive. It feels like somebody remembers them. I don't know how many times I heard that this was my only gift, and I want to thank you so much for it. I'm very proud of Willow and the efforts that they put into the incarcerated. They put action to their words. It does give them hope. So what is a hope pack? 
The Hope Pack provides incarcerated individuals with a Christmas gift that conveys a positive message of hope and joy. A variety of specially selected items, both fun and meaningful, encourage self-reflection, break boredom, and let each person know that someone is thinking of them during this holiday season. A Hope Pack consists of four basic components, a cheery Merry Christmas bag, a Christmas card, a specially designed book, and three to four treats. Wouldn't it be amazing if churches all across the country engaged with their local jail or prison to provide Hope Packs to the incarcerated in their communities? Our dream is about more than just a bag. It's about building relationships between churches and prison and jail facilities. It's about reaching out to those behind the walls so that they have a welcoming place to go when they are released. It's about engaging families with a local church that cares and understands the isolation of justice-impacted people. Ultimately, the Hope Pack is about encouraging a relationship with Jesus and his local church. Hey, I am told that there are people, I am told that there are incarcerated people all over this state that actually pipe in our weekend services and worship with us on the weekend. And so I think it would be appropriate for us to say Merry Christmas to them with our applause right now to let them know that we are thinking about you. We love you. God loves you. You guys hang in there. I love that. Will you pray with me as we send these hope packs out? Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, this is um, it's a special thing that we get to do every year. Um, and Father, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is just a prayer of solidarity, a prayer that says, um, God there but by the grace of God go I. Lord, had circumstances been different, had different breaks and different situations happened, Lord, we, um, we who are packing hope packs could have been recipients for, for hope packs. And we know that um, those that are receiving these hope packs are loved by you, they are seen by you. Father, we pray that they would know that um, that we believe that you are a God that can set them free even behind bars, and that is because, Lord, you have set us free. You have set us free as we've been imprisoned by things as well. Destructive thoughts, addictions, unjust systems, consequences of our sin, Lord. We ask and celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. And Lord, we also pray that those that are incarcerated would know that there is a community of people, not just God, but God's people that are right here in Illinois that love them and that are ready to receive them on the other side of this incarcerated season as one of our own. We're super excited. And while, Lord, they are inside, we pray for them. Pray, God, that an encouragement to them, especially on this holiday season, the season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, can imagine that this would be a time of discouragement. And so I pray, Lord, that it would be um, a moment that they are encouraged, that these hope packs, that they would open them up, but actually they would see the gift inside the gift, 
which is Jesus himself and the hope that he brings. And we pray for their families and friends as well, that everyone would get a sense of the hope that we have in Jesus. We love you and we thank you for the privilege of being able to celebrate this moment together. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen. Troy, Troy had never really been there for his son. His son, Jimmy, uh, Troy was always too busy building his career. He always had some place to be, to take the time out to show up at baseball games or even graduation ceremonies. Um, As a result, when Jimmy had the opportunity to go to college in England, well, he just jumped at the chance. Why stay home? He studied English literature and had dreams of teaching in university. Only problem was, Jimmy's grades had never been up to par for the PhD program. So he graduated. He graduated with a degree, but it was only a degree good enough to get him a small teaching job in a local high school. He scraped by on a meager salary, but eventually his bills overwhelmed him. Jimmy was too embarrassed to contact his successful father and really too proud to ask for help. And one December in the late 80s, Jimmy received a package in the mail from his father. It was a Christmas present and a card. Jimmy opened up the present and it was a plane ticket. And he was actually, he was offended. His dad had never been there for him and now his dad wanted a visit? No way. And he threw the ticket and the unopened card into the garbage. A year later, Jimmy gets a knock at the door, and it was a lawyer. It's his father's lawyer. And he had a copy of that card, that letter that Jimmy had thrown away the year before. And it read, Dear Jimmy, about six months ago, I was diagnosed with a terminal degree, uh, disease. If you're reading this, then the disease has gotten the best of me. I'm so sorry for all those times that I was not there for you. I know I can't make up for any of that now, but I just hope that you can forgive me. And maybe maybe the money will make up for some of it. Here's a plane ticket to L.A., And when you get into town, you just contact my lawyer and he'll take care of the rest of the business. Goodbye, son. I'm so sorry, dad. And as it turns out, Jimmy had inherited $4 million from his dad. He'd been a millionaire, multimillionaire, for an entire year And he didn't even know it because he never finished opening up his Christmas gift. And I think one of the sad things that some people will experience this Christmas season is that they will not finish opening up the gift that God has for them in Jesus. You know, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 11, it says that he, Jesus, 
came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Folks, I don't know if in your family you ever had a prankster who put a big package under the tree and when someone opened up that big package, there was just a slightly smaller package. And then when they opened up the slightly smaller package, there was another slightly smaller package in there. And sure enough, you know how the rest of it goes. It goes again and again and again and again until you find the little gift inside. But I give you that imagery because I really believe that when it comes to the presence that God gives, the blessings, the blessing of Christmas, a time when family comes together, when we share special treats and special holiday gatherings, songs that make us feel um, nostalgic, Christmas concerts, moments where we uh, watch Christmas movies and as all of those wonderful presents are really just the wrapping around the real gift. Jesus. And so as we start this Christmas season, from the very beginning, I want to encourage you to unwrap and unwrap and unwrap till you find Jesus himself. Not just the presence that God gives us, but the presence of God himself this Christmas. Just a few minutes um, band's going to come. They're going to sing a song over you. And at all of our campuses and even online, I just want to encourage you to think about what would that mean for you this Christmas? Could it mean that there are some things that you traditionally do that this year you don't do to take a little bit of time to focus in on the presence of Jesus in your life? Could it be that there are some things that you used to do? You used to go caroling, or you used to go to grandma's house, or you used to take some time and go through an Advent uh, spiritual meditation every day, or you used to sing that song, or you used to, and this might be the season that you say, you know what, we used to do that as a family, but let's bring that back this year. Or maybe for, for you, you've, there are some things that you've never done You've never opened up Luke 2 and read the Christmas story as a family before you dove into opening presents. Or maybe when you've gotten your extended family together before the Christmas meal, you've never paused to, to bow your head and to just take a moment to recognize the presence of God in Jesus among you. What is it that for you this Christmas would allow you and encourage you to focus on the presence of Jesus with you, God, Emmanuel, God with us this Christmas? The band's gonna sing over you, and as they do, I just wanna ask you to consider those things or to consider maybe what is your next step with God. Around here, we have rhythms uh, all throughout the year that we practice 
things that come straight from scripture that we believe encourage people to walk with Jesus more closely. So for someone in this room or watching me on a screen, maybe, maybe you for the very first time would say yes to Jesus. To say, I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. You know, in the New Testament, when people said yes to Jesus, they believed and were baptized. Maybe, maybe that's what God has for you today. Maybe for you, your next step is to just come back next week to say, you know what, I, I think I'm gonna make church a part of my regular rhythm, that I would come and sing and focus on God's word and be with God's people once a week. Maybe that's a great thing for you to do this Christmas. Maybe for you, there's some area of your life where you feel imprisoned by sin. There's some addiction. There's some stronghold that's it's hard for you to get past. And maybe for you, the decision today is to say, you know what? I'm going to find someone who's trusted, uh, whether it's a pastor or a trusted friend or someone in my family, maybe a counselor even. I'm going to get with that person, and I'm going to share what's really been going on in my life, and I'm going to ask them for help to overcome that thing. Maybe for you, it's to get on a group or a team, to be a more engaged part of this church where you, you don't just attend on a weekend, but you become a part of the community, belonging in a group or serving on a team, getting on mission with God. Maybe for you, it's trusting God in some area of your life, maybe finances. But whatever your next step is, I just want to encourage you to take this gift of time, this gift of music, just take a few moments and ask God, God, show me. What is it this Christmas that would help me and my family and my friends draw closer to the presence of God through Jesus? Amen.